Star Trek Picard, Season 3, Episode 4. I think it was called No Win Scenario? Yeah. Don't really got to keep track of the names for this. No, we talked about it, so I remember. Um, but this was kind of like an old-fashioned finish to a two-parter, even though the overall story is connected. These these two were obviously very connected. I thought it was good. I think Jonathan Frakes is MVP here in this show. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, they could just call it Star Trek Riker instead of Picard. Well, and if they're curious about people's reactions to... Because right now we've got a Picard show, and they're bringing back some of these characters, but... I bet you they could have, they don't need to call it Riker because I don't think that's fair to war for some of these other people. But like if any of these actors wanted to continue on some stories, I think people would do it. This is, this season is already way more interesting than the previous two. Yeah. Every time Jonathan Frakes is on screen, it's just fun for me to watch. He also directed these two episodes. I think he did a great job. Yeah. I read something or I watched something or whatever that he hadn't really acted barely at all since Star Trek ended. And I guess he was pretty nervous about being in front of the camera. He's been directing for the last 25 years or whatever. Yeah, I know he's directed a lot of stuff. But I feel like he slipped right back into Riker's role and is playing him just right with the time that's gone by and and the things that have happened in his life and stuff like that. Oh, he's so believably Riker. So we got, um, my notes are a little different this week. I did it by people rather than in chronological order. So we'll just go as we go. But it starts off with a... uh, a flashback, five years flashback, where these cadets approach Picard and they want to hear, you know, from the legend. And it definitely, the cadets made me think of, this must also be what it's like with Trekkies <laughs> that actually see Patrick Stewart. So it could have been Patrick Stewart or Picard being approached by fans. Well, I actually found this scene annoying, not to say that it shouldn't have been in or didn't have a purpose, because it really did and came together at the very end of the episode. Just where it took you out of this very critical moment on the ship to this like the pacing was just so stark well first of all i I liked it i thought it was done well and you're right it it did bring together the whole episode thematically but i kind of liked it too because i mean this is a man in retirement you know and as far as i think that what they were trying to convey with this is that since he didn't have a family or at least thought he didn't have a family it was starfleet and his missions that gave meaning to his life so he was like perhaps reluctant to talk about it at first, but then he embraced it. And I don't know. I, I thought it was well. It is Picard is different, kind of like we talked about a little bit with Riker, but this Picard is different than TNG Picard from 25 years ago. But it makes sense he would be a little different, I guess. Yeah, I think, I mean, again, and not that this scene shouldn't have been in there. It absolutely made sense. And I think it should at this point. It's just my emotional reaction to it. Felt like it deviated too much from the Picard that we know. But there's also this underlying theme that they keep coming back to over and over and over again, what this very scene is about. And it's, are you not really a whole person without a family, uh, like a blood family? And and I think even his uh, Jack asked in that one initial scene of like a real family, and he used that in quotes. And, and Picard kind of pompously said, Starfleet was always the family I needed. And I just wish he didn't say it pompously, and I'd like to put out there that I think someone can be complete without that blood or quote-unquote real family, that he really could be that Picard, and the choices that he made over and over and over again not to have one doesn't mean that he was missing out or less than, and I feel like that's kind of the arc here. Like, already the moment he realizes Jack is his son, he expects the entire ship and the captain to cater to that. Now he wants time and says he needs it you know, thinking that it's the end. And it contradicts 
everything that we know about him that's literally changing at the 11th hour in the 59th minute. And that feels weird for characterization for me for Picard. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm just reading it different. So when he, when he at the end when Jack asked him, like, did you ever need a real family or whatever, I thought Patrick Stewart did a good job where there was a moment hesitation and I felt like there was a moment of regret before he answered. And then when he answered, it was almost like he was justifying to himself that it was okay that he never had a real family. Um, and, and yeah, that's where I think they're taking it. What I'm trying to say is this is not a new concept for Picard's character. He is very old at this point. And he had many times in which this was explored in TNG and other times. And this is just, it means he made the wrong decision those thousand other times. And that chance just happened to give him this alternate ending at the very end of his life. And now he doesn't have to regret. And it takes away from the Picard that made that decision over and over and over again and all the decision-making that he did then as if he was wrong a thousand times. And that's what feels hard for me because I don't think he was and they're changing it now. Yeah, well, I mean, they have explored Picard's feelings of regret about this um, several times, but probably most notably was in the movie Generations where he gets pulled into the Nexus and the Nexus fulfills your fantasy and it gives you everything you wanted. And to everyone's, I guess, surprise, his fantasy was loving children at Christmas with a family. So the road not traveled was what the Nexus provided him. And that's what he wanted. And similar to uh, Captain Kirk, when it showed his fantasy, was the opposite of the actual Captain Kirk that we got on the show. Captain Kirk wanted to be a farmer with raising horses, and which is really, he wanted to be William Shatner. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I guess my thing is, is... Can you ever have a great captain who doesn't have a family and kind of feel like they had to give up on their greatest dream then in order to be the captain that we met and well, knew? Well, I think it's kind of the, the tragedy of life, the opportunity costs. Like, um, had Picard had the family and been pulled into his nexus, his fantasy might have been a Starfleet captain without a family. <laughs> you know, it's just the, the, the grass is always greener kind of thing. But I, I thought... Patrick Stewart did it really well because, I, like I said, I did notice that moment of hesitation. And I think whatever would have happened, he would have justified his decisions in his mind as humans do. But there will be a tinge of regret regardless. And I don't know. I, th- I thought they played it pretty well. Well, only if you make a mistake. Uh, yeah. But because we can't do everything all the time, we have to make choices. And, you know, one thing negates another. So. I guess you can have regret and still stand by your decision. So I'll, I'll take that back. But at least here for what we're talking about, it means that he made a mistake and he should have had a family all along and he sacrificed that for what? I'm not following that implication. Why do you think he made a mistake? Why is he regretting it? Well, because you can't have everything all the time. And he, 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 you're right, he did choose to be a captain when he could have had a family. Like they had the one episode... Well, Riker had a family and was a captain. Yes, but Riker always had a particular love interest... And also, <laughs> I mean, these are older people. A love interest or yeah, just well, love he had, interests? He had many, but him and, <laughs> him and Troy were always together. But they did have that one episode of TNG where Picard had a girlfriend. Do you remember that one where um, she was on the ship? She was like a science officer and they bonded over music and everything. And they like started falling in love. But then he had to send her on a dangerous mission. And that was when he decided he couldn't do both. He couldn't be a captain and a, a family person because it was too... It was jeopardizing him. But some people can. Like Cisco had a wife and kid, and he raised his kid on the station when his wife was killed. 
But his wife was killed <coughs> by Picard mm-hmm. as a Borg. <laughs> that seems to be a recurring theme yes, here. similar to Shaw. Well, 11,000 Starfleet, as we learned in this episode. That's going to be a lot of people and their descendants and family members who are going to remember that Picard did that. Yeah, I like that it spilled it over. So back in the day when they did that with TNG, you, you couldn't have a show... They were standalone episodes. Mm-hmm. You couldn't really revisit that too much. They addressed it a few times, but most notably in DS9. So I liked that that came back. Because, right, yeah, if he was the head of the board during Wolf 359, when all those 40 ships were taken out, that would have ramifications, long-lasting ramifications. Um, and now they can finally address it a little bit more. And it gives context, more context to Shaw's rude comment in uh, episode one or two or whatever it was, when he's like, oh, you former Borg, about uh, Picard and... And seven. Yeah, although he's pretty racist to all different kinds, which is interesting that he's at a captain level, and yet Starfleet hasn't picked this up. Um, the way he talks about changelings is not kind either. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's just trying to be uh, a little bit funny. The impression I got with Shaw here is that he is a, what, what would we call it? He's a blue-collar captain. So he's an engineer. He worked. He's you know a dipshit from Chicago. Um, he's not. He's not an Ivy League. Yes, he's not a, uh, coming from family name and. Right. Yeah. He uh, exactly. So he's going to have that humor, whatever blue collar humor, and he he does it well. He, it's, I mean, he's funny. He's the funniest character on the show. <laughs> but leave it to you to find the biggest dick the funniest guy in the show yeah but we laugh every time he says something it's like seven's like uh can i speak formally no informally no <laughs> so she didn't I call him a dick and i thought that was funny <laughs> yeah that was all right i'm, I'm still still know how i feel about all the swearing and star trek yeah that is weird yeah i don't like it but I, hearing picard say fucking yeah <laughs> 10 fucking minutes it's like it's just I mean, I so, it. so out of character well, that, that's kind of, I think, my thing here is I'm seeing elements that go against how I have characterized him all this time. And he was just such a contained captain. So that when there were those moments when he wasn't contained, like there are four lights kind of thing, it really emphasizes the moment and stuff. And we're, we're seeing, like when he's like, we must strike back. And like, he's, he's just, he's so different here. Well, this, um, okay, so... Yes, I, we both agreed that last week's episode felt kind of forced how Picard wanted to fight and Riker wanted to escape or whatever. They added more context in this episode, with Riker at least. Picard's aggression didn't make that much sense to me. But I would say overall, they are portraying a different Picard. Which I can't accept at, at like over the course of the season if they can do it well. well I just you- I think I need time for this cognitive dissonance that I'm experiencing of... What I thought I knew and how, and this is just my characterization. Maybe other people are like, no, this totally fits. And I accept that. It's just, it just feels like a swing for me at the very end. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I have two points. So one, if you watch TNG, Picard in seasons one and two is pretty asshole-ish. Um, he's, <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah. He's really stern. Like through TNG, he loosens up. And in the last episode of TNG, he joins them for like a poker game. And he's like, I should have done this a long time ago. So he is softening over the years. But I wonder if it's that point that you made about that love interest, which, by the way, having a family on the ship you're commanding and having a family elsewhere are two different things. So him deciding not to date, it could, he could have just not dated on the ship so he doesn't have to be in that particular scenario. 
So uh, th- there's an element there of having authority over your actual person and then having to do Starfleet duties than if she were on a different ship. Yeah. So that's one piece there. But like, I mean, Picard, maybe not endearing himself more and being more friendly with a lot of his crew is because he knows he has to send them often on dangerous and or deadly missions. Yes. So there was another thing though, in this particular episode, when Picard is talking to Jack and he is having a drink with them in 10 forward and Jack's like, you know, if you feel like you need to do this for me or whatever, and Picard said, no, it's for me. That's a rare moment of vulnerability for Picard. So I, I just feel like they're purposely making him much more, vulnerable now in this final arc and in this late stage in his life they did start it in the previous seasons of picard here where he and the romulan i forget her name yeah laris laris where he allowed their relationship to develop he knew that there was feelings between the two of them and he shut it down in in classic picard style and then we see him come around and allow that relationship and that's how this season starts is they're together now. And she's like his wife? <laughs> Don't know. Partner? I. But you get my point, though, is we already are seeing some of this changing and softening. Well, keep in mind, too, you might not even remember last season what it was about. Because <laughs> <laughs> last season is pretty forgettable. But Q took Picard on this season-long journey to explore his inner demons to help him uh, become a better person, essentially. To stop having his shields up all the time because of blah, 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 blah. So what we remember from last season is the time travel and the Borg thing. But we forget that the whole reason was for Q to uh, take Picard on this personal journey. Because Q was dying. Right. And so, Picard is his only friend. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it wasn't like he just decided to do this in the moment. It's because he was dying and I guess wanted to help Picard. I did forget <laughs> Right. So so I guess if we're going to say that last season actually did succeed in loosening Picard up, yeah. you know, you know well, a little and bit. He ended up with Laris by the end. But one other thing to keep in mind, too, and this will make me ease some of the criticisms I have, is that they handle things very fast in this show, which I like. But it, it takes a minute to get used to, especially because we the only other show we really watch is House of the Dragon. <laughs> like, we're, we're like, last week, oh, this tension between Riker and Picard feels forced. And if we're a House of the Dragon, that would be the beginning of a split that would last all season. But they resolved it in this episode, right? So it's like they're, they're, they set it up and then they fixed they it. They resolved the it without actually having a conversation. Picard starts to say, I'm sorry. And then basically Riker talks for the next four minutes and then leaves. Yeah. Well, Which right. Which was a good scene. So the whole theme of this episode was trust. Trust in your, you know, the other crew members and trust in each other. So last week they lost trust. They had conflict. And then this week they found each other's trust again. Maybe also trust in yourself. Because the moment that Crusher said that to Riker, he then came up with the idea about the nacelles. Yeah, right. They proposed the plan to Riker. And he's like, this will never work. But then his wheels were turning in his head. And he figured out a solution that would cap it off. So so they all had their role to play. And I like that they gave uh, Crusher an important role too. <laughs> Every time she counted, that first time when she's counting from seven... I was like, couldn't you have had her start at three? I know, but it was a nice transition because she said seven while the camera was on seven. And then uh, it transitioned to her. So it was a nice piece of artfulness. But Artfulness. But every, <laughs> everyone had their role to play to get them out of this disaster. So yeah. I, And they all trusted in each other. Well, that was it. It was a team effort. Right. 
And then so Picard talking to these cadets is explaining how they're going to get out of this. And it's more through like principle than actual strategizing. That's not the way to say it. But what he was telling the cadets is universal in this world. That if you trust each other and have faith in each other, you can get out of anything. One little thing that I, I liked here too was, so Picard wants to have a moment with Jack to get to know him. And they're talking. But then some more crew members come into the holodeck. And they ask if this is private, which of course it is, or, or I'm sure they would prefer it to be private in some sense. But Picard's like, no, not at all. Come in, please. They can probably put like private when you go into the holodeck if you don't want people to bother you. I know, but also the, they think they got like an hour left, you know. Is there one holodeck? So if they did that, no one else could go in? Or at least there's only one uh, separate power cell like, <laughs> like they described, which I appreciated because they have no power on the ship. So like, why would a stupid holodeck be working? But they came up with some techno babble about how they need it. I couldn't help you know. but think though, like why wouldn't everybody rush in there and be in their best concocted scenario is they all die. And well, right. they're not working together. And all they're that, not strategizing. Right. And- Does all that crew want to be in 10 forward when they can be, you know, having a big orgy or something? And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then, is that what the Nexus would reveal for you? <laughs> but yeah. But anyways, the, the point being Picard, I, I just like that. Even though I'm sure he would have preferred it to be private. Of course, he was never going to say no. But it wasn't even like a hesitation. It was like, no, come in. You know, we're all in this together. And then he used looking at that crew. Yeah, he's using um, it as a a teaching point for Jack. Because Jack is doing the I'm an island right. lone wolf thing. And he's like, yeah, take it from me. That's not how this goes. We need each other. And connection is the thing that binds us all. Like literally, but also figuratively. So it doesn't matter what race you are. We all seek connection, and they purposely had a very diverse group in there, all seeking connection, including the Vulcan. Yeah. Yeah, so this is where Shaw has his big moment, which I was really noticing the directing. I watched this episode twice. I guess we did, but um, we were having Paramount Plus problems. (laughs) So that's one thing. nice alliteration there. Yeah. That's one thing that sucks about this new Star Trek. Jay tried to rewind, and we watched the same (laughs) commercial, I think, six or seven times. And never actually were able to rewind to where you wanted to. It's behind a paywall, but you still got to watch previews. Or, I mean, commercials. But the paywall, it's only six bucks. And it's worth it for me for Star Trek. But going off on a quick tangent. So they just discovered this. Uh, they just canceled Discovery on season five. They were going to do a season six. And Discovery is not great. I have mixed feelings about it. But, and, you know, HBO canceled the cowboy one, Westworld, mm-hmm. without even completing it. So there's so much competition between these streaming ones that they're all cutting back. And it's kind of scary if you're invested in a show. Like, we kind of stopped watching Westworld, and I'm sure everyone else did too, and that's why they canceled it. (laughs) But can you imagine the disappointment uh, to not get a final season? I I actually know what that feels like, and that's Deadwood. Even though they did actually end up coming around with the movie 15 years later. (laughs) But, like, that felt so, like, you were so invested and wanted to see what happened, and it just stopped. Well, I know with Discovery, they are capping it off, so they will have a, a story finale. But yeah, the biggest victim of this for me was the OA. So point being that, um, oh yeah, so we we watched this episode twice, and I like watching things twice, but we don't usually, we haven't been doing that with Star Trek. We usually do it with House of the Dragon because there's so much to cover. But I was, I was noticing the directing more. You have the luxury of looking at different things the second time through. So this directing here, while Shaw was giving his Borg speech, I just thought it was really good. It was shown from a distance, like people sitting across at a bar, and then it closed in on him when he was the person, the random person chosen to survive. 
and his acting was great. You know, he's going a little bit overboard, and Jack stands up for Picard, but Picard just takes it. He doesn't defend himself. Well, and one thing that I was thinking the second time we watched it was, this is how Shaw wanted to spend his last moments. He never said anything, like, except for the big, you know, or the, the small Borg quip, but, like, he never confronted Picard about all this, but now that he thinks he's dying, and this is it, he wanted to confront and be like, hey, this is what happened, and that was his choice of how he wanted it, and... It's funny because like part of me is like, oh, I get it. I, I, I do a little bit. It's it's his way of giving voice to what happened to him and the horrors of that. And Right. Perhaps getting some closure, but also just uh, blowing off some steam. He's, yeah. I don't blame him. He's bitter about it. Well, yeah. and he even says at some point, being an asshole replaced charm for him. It, it's like he's aware. I do remember when they showed all the faces of everyone and they were all like, Oh, my God. Because I think my first reaction the first time we watched was, this is not captain-like behavior when the ship is going down. This is really bad. You are making everyone else feel worse at your, like, for your, at their own expense and and for your benefit. Where I was kind of understanding, like, no, this is just Shaw's way of living his final moments. I still have both feelings about it. And then I feel bad for those crew members because they just can't find solace anywhere. Well, yeah, it's almost like... If it's your final moments, what does it matter <laughs> if you embarrass yourself? But then on the flip side, right, we would hope for more from a captain who, even in the final moments, yeah. is, is captain-like. But, you know, we saw Riker lose his cool last episode with the you just killed us all kind of thing. Yep. And, Uncaptain-like yeah. captain behavior in some of the most we-need-a-captain moments. Right. So every, all the captains are guilty on this show. Um, What's also like fascinating to me is that how many times do they go against Starfleet protocol? And they even say it, Starfleet manual says this or protocol says this. And they do it all the time and they never get in trouble. Well, it's interesting that Riker referred to that because usually they only refer to Starfleet, Starfleet protocol when it's like um, new species, like, oh, we're not allowed to interfere and in the prime directive and all that stuff. But like Starfleet protocol says we'll sit and wait for rescue. I don't know. That was... I guess it was just further exploring Riker's... Um, Loss of nerve. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of Riker, I just liked his interaction with Picard where he explained um, ever since his son died, it's been hollow. But the, the, the main thing there was when he said, we've been back and forth every part of the universe and there's nothing that's shown me that there's anything after this. I just thought that was a good, powerful point to add in there. It also made sense with some of my misgivings initially about him and uh, Deanna and their relationship and why he would choose to do this. It actually, it was a good explanation. So I feel satisfied with that. He, and I, I like that they just showed him sending this message to Deanna, but he can't finish it. But, you know, of course he does talk to her at the end, but it's just Riker. Can you imagine if they did die though? And then that's all she gets. Yeah. Well, it was only paused. At least it wasn't canceled. So he, he intended to finish it. But yeah, Riker just had some good moments in this episode. He, um, Him and Picard learned to trust each other again. He gave the con to Picard to let him steer through the asteroid field with the help of his son. So this is all more trust stuff. There was an episode. I looked it up on YouTube today to, to make sure I remembered it correctly. But there is an episode from season three where Picard takes the helm and steers them out of an asteroid field also. So Picard is, you know, I guess this good navigator although he needed um, jack in four seconds which yeah. four seconds in that scenario seems like a pretty big error yeah that was um showing trust i guess i know but and, yeah. at 
the expense of us relying on Picard's ability to maneuver them out of there. Yeah. I wish they could have shown that in a different way. Well, yeah, and they were also given Jack, having him contribute. So he's Be the a one, part of the team. Well, yeah. Well, and he's the one who figured out that there was a power surge. And then Riker figured out the... Uh, this, this, we could call this the Riker maneuver as well. He's got at least three, but the asteroid throw, <laughs> <laughs> um, which was kind of a payback for when they threw the ship in him earlier. But this flowed better because the asteroid was moving with them. They had momentum. It's um, I, th- I thought it worked better than just throwing the ship with, with power. But. but it also is not that different from when the Shrike did this with the ship. So it's showing like, hey, we can do it without your fancy technology too. Right. I guess Riker's arc in these last couple episodes is that he has a kind of rebirth here. He has some closure with his son. He does speak to Deanna at the end and he recommits to her. And then in the most Star Trek moments of the season so far, they're there for the birth of a new alien species, which was nice. It just reminds us how Star Trek used to be. They don't really tell those stories anymore. Maybe Strange New Worlds does. We haven't watched that yet. And I think it's more about that. But those like squid-like creatures were... They mentioned Farpoint, which was the first ever episode of TNG. They were, they were like the aliens in that. So another just callback, but it ended on a positive note after mm-hmm. a lot of heavy stuff. We also see in this episode, though, that Picard and Riker's arrival and decisions that affected the Titan weren't the only cause of what was going on. That the changeling uh, infiltrator had already been going on. So we're starting to see something, as Seven says to Shaw, there's something much bigger going on here. Um, And so I'm kind of excited to see what is this big thing. I also commented to you, the changeling goo looks so gross to me. Yeah, I have a few comments on all this. Um, Right, so the changeling was there before Picard and Riker, I guess. Yeah. And that also allows the story to take heat off Picard and Riker from Shaw, like the mess they got him in, because it wasn't just them. So so that's good. And right, the changelings, they look way grosser than they used to. But in DS9, you know, 20 whatever years ago, the special effects weren't that great. So when they looked like goo, it just looked like computer goo. Whereas now it looked like it's meaty, disgusting goo. It literally looks like if you mixed up flesh and bone and right. Muscle. Oh, yeah. so, so the question is, does it look like that just because special effects have gotten better and that's the way they always could have done it? Or does it look like that because something's happened to the changelings and maybe that's why they're engaging in this war over is because they're sick or whatever. They, they already did that story in DS9 where the changelings all got sick. So I, I don't know if they're going to go there again, but it's, um, it's definitely noticeable. They look different. That's, yeah. that's the overall point. There is precedent of that happening and it still being a certain race, but changing how they look. Because my understanding is how Klingons look in Kirk's time dramatically changed in TNG <laughs> yeah. time. Right. And that was clearly a makeup budget thing. Right. Similar concept right. here, though. But then they, they shoot in a, like a funny explanation uh, to explain it. And Worf said that oh, we don't talk about that period <laughs> <laughs> or something. Um, yeah. So Seven goes on this, you know, hunt for the changeling and finds his pot, which I just think is funny. You know, that that's its weakness. <laughs> and and <laughs> residue. Yeah, yeah, it worked. Um, Seven's character, she is also quite different from Voyager 7. Voyager 7 was more like a Vulcan because she was, you know, just finished being a robot. So I like that she's different, 
But um, she's quite different. Like I watched a little bit of some clips on of Voyager on YouTube the other day to remember, and it's like she's like human now. She's yeah, she's a different character. Yeah, and that's fine. It's been twenty whatever years. Yeah, whatever. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did like how she and Shaw worked together in this episode. Yeah. And I liked how they set the trap. So they talked about, like Shaw was like, hey, this is the best time for the Changeling to come and sabotage. So they had to set the trap. So that's when they, in front of everybody, like communicate to Riker. Yeah. And that's what allowed the Changeling to know where they're at and what they were doing. And and it worked. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then Vatic cuts her hand off which turns into a communicator, changeling slash communicator. Yeah, I was going to say, is that changeling stuff here? Uh, I don't know. I like that we don't fully know. I don't know if just her hand is a changeling or if she's a changeling. Or again, maybe this has to do with the meaty look of it. Maybe they're becoming solids and she's half and half or something. But she clearly has a boss who might not be a changeling. I don't think the bad guys, it's just going to be another changeling story because they did that in DS9. And I, th- I think it'll be connected to something else, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, and they very clearly, whoever that boss person is, is saying this is bigger than your payload, bigger than you. Right. And it leaves the mystery of why do they want Jack? And they call him an asset. So I don't know what that means. And then Jack has at the very end... Isn't that also just sometimes terminology? Of, Have you acquired the asset? Yeah, I guess. I mean, not yeah. that you don't have a point here that maybe he is an actual asset here, but like right. I, I do feel like this is terminology a lot of times when somebody wants something right. or someone. Well, clearly he's he's important for something. They don't want him to die. They want him... Well, we see something going on with him at the very end here. Right. And it says, find me. So we hear that twice. So Jack is maybe the the map to find this thing that the changelings want to find or something. And there was, there was that weird thing in the background, that squid-looking thing that might have been changing. I don't know. So it's good that there's a little bit of a mystery here. I hope it's not disappointing of what Jack was like. Oh, he was really just a changeling. He's not Picard's kid. They just mimic, whatever. You know, like, I think at this point they have to firmly have that that's Picard and Beverly's son and something else. But, uh, but the mystery continues, which is nice. Anything else? I thought it was a good episode. Yeah, I'll just say the whole show is great. The first few episodes flowed. It felt like um, cinematic, like a movie. It almost could have ended there. One thing I comment to you is that I'm afraid that they could end certain arcs here. Like if they wanted to get rid of Riker at this point and he just goes back to Deanna, they could. I don't think they will. But like if they're like, oh, now we're bringing on uh, Worf and LaForge. So we got to make room or whatever. They could do that. So I don't think that's going to happen. But um, this, this was a nice little ending to one arc while keeping the story going. Yeah. I do recognize that I'm at this place. I remember I was like this uh, right before the last Harry Potter book came out of, please don't ruin this. Please don't ruin this. Like, I just so badly wanted something that I was into and liking that it not be ruined. Yes. And so I'm I'm liking this season. I'm liking what they're doing. I'm loving seeing these characters from TNG. And I just like, I would hate for this to start off this way. I mean, kind of like what happened with Game of Thrones where... Not completely ruined, but man, that was bad. And yeah. so I just, I know how well it turned out with Harry Potter, but then how bad it can turn out with Game of Thrones. And I just, I hope that it stays strong from start to finish of this season. And I hope that this does better than some of the other Star Trek so that this one doesn't get canceled. Well, this is already canceled. This is the last season. So, But it, that it gives right, like, I don't think Picard can keep doing this. So like, I can right. understand Picard being done, but that... 
if seven is continuing to be in a show or right. it does seem to me that they care very much that they give the fans what they want with this, but not in a bad way. Like fan service can be can suck, right? Yeah. But like I feel like they just care a lot with this to deliver and so far so good. Four episodes in. But if you're really trying to resurrect a franchise with with something, like I think they have a huge opportunity. Not that it hasn't already been going. What what's really nice about watching this, I don't feel like they're trying to resurrect a TNG spinoff, but the, they could. So it's like they're, they're walking that line where it's not like, oh, they're obviously just setting this up for the future. This could be the end of everybody in TNG and it would be a good finish, but it could also not be. And it, it doesn't feel forced in either direction to me. All right. Episode five comes out tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll podcast way late. All right. Thanks.